This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks. We are missing Kara Sismati and my co-host today. She's apparently on a plane somewhere. She didn't tell me where. She probably knows, but we'll just keep it a secret for now. And so we're missing her today, as well as a couple of our recurring guests, Phil Grassier from RVDA. I think it's traveling as well. And then, I'm sorry, name escaped me from Susan Carpenter, right? From the RV, one of is in Italy, apparently, which she didn't take any of us with her, which is very sad. I feel like we could have done a live show from there and all would have been happening. But anyway, she's in Italy. We're super excited to have Eleanor here, one of our recurring guests from RVDA of Canada, as well as Shane Devitish from CRVA, the Canadian Recreational Vehicle Association. And then our two special guests, Sasha and Ashley, who I'm going to let introduce themselves. Which one of you wonderful people would love to go first? I'll go first. My name is Ashley Bontrager, and I am the president and CEO of Ember Recreational Vehicles. Sasha? Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Sasha Oler. I'm with Tyler Technologies Auto Recreation. We're a part of Tyler Technologies and focused on campground and recreational licensing across the U.S. and internationally. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate you being here. Looking forward to some good discussions here. Before we start with you guys and, and let you tell a little bit about your stories and things like that, Eleanor, Shane, is there anything that we should for sure be talking about that we that's come across your desk for dealers or I think, not to steal Shane's thunder, but it's the Canadian RV and Camping Week in Canada here, which is a huge event. The campground operators are celebrating the start of the camping season. We had our long weekend was this past Monday. I know that in the U.S. it's coming up here. You were uh, so confused, Eleanor. The train it's, up well, I know. So we've already started camping, but it's a great event. And I know that it's sponsored by the Canadian um, the CCRBC, which is a Canadian Camping and RV Council. Um, so we're really excited. Uh, it's the eighth annual event. And I don't know, Shemin, you've probably got a little bit more you want to say about. Yeah, it's it's great to have the dealers and the manufacturers involved more, more so this year. It, it's evolved over the years. It used to be trying to fill campsites the weekend after the May 2-4 weekend up here, which is our big time. But it's changed in that our campsites are full all year round. To see. So more, it's more of a publicity week the start of the season to, uh, to get everybody out there and enjoy RVing and camping. Pretty excited about this week. So, Why do you only do one public publicity week? Why well, can't there just be 12? More well, people can get out camping. That is a great suggestion, Brian. Thank you for that. <laughs> we could just use ChatGPT and go up with 12 different weeks. We do a week in the fall. There's a week in the fall that's thanking all of the campers at the end of the season. So beginning it in the end. And then in between, we just assume everybody's just really busy. Already camping. <laughs> already camping. Okay. All right. That makes sense. All right. Let's start with, uh, start with Ashley. Ashley, tell us a little bit about Ember RV for those of us who, who don't know, which I feel like we should, but sorry. That's okay. We're new. We're newer to the game. So it's right if you don't. But myself and three other co-founders started Ember back in the winter of 2021. And we just saw a way that we could do things a little bit differently. We found that a lot of RVers were wanting to extend their RV vacations, maybe off-grid and off-road a little bit more than they had before. I think going through the pandemic heightened that awareness, but I think there was just a growing interest as well. So we saw a way that we could offer a product that wasn't really being offered by the traditional RV manufacturers. And so that's where we got our start. We then last fall introduced a more traditional travel trailer as well. That is perfect for going over the road and exploring all the amazing campgrounds that we do have here in North America. We're a newer company and we're just looking at ways that we can continue to innovate and evolve in this industry. So of all the things that 
you said three founders, right? Of all the things three founders can come together and do, why RVs? My family has had a long history in the RV industry. My grandparents started Jayco back in 1968. So I grew up in and around the industry my whole life. And I love this industry. It's in my blood. The other three founders as well have had a long history in the RV industry, working in it in various capacities. So we all just really love the industry. We love what um, it does for people. It gets them out. It gets them enjoying nature and it gets them away from the daily hustle. So we all have a different reason as to why, but at the end of the day, we just really have a passion about the RV industry. So what would you say sets Ember apart. What was the problem you were trying to solve that you couldn't do through an existing company? A couple of things. I think our mission statement talks about how we wanted to build a better RV company. And to do that, we felt we needed to first start internally. And by building a better company, we will then in turn that translates into a better product. So we really focus a lot on our internal culture here. And we want people to come and feel fulfilled by the job that they're doing. We don't want it to just feel like a job. We want everyone to feel like they truly are part of this team, that their ideas and their thoughts matter. And we ask for their active feedback, not only in their day-to-day job of how maybe we could do that better, but how can we improve our product for for our owners as well? We also, as an executive team, we really listen to our owners and we are big into research and data and listening to the numbers and the stats that are out there. So we're really focused on giving the customer a 360 degree experience from listening to what features and parts and pieces they'd love to see in their RVs to the end when they are an owner and how we can support them when they are out using our unit. Do you feel like growing up in the industry led you to have a deeper understanding of those two things you just talked about and how important they are? Because I know as a business owner, I've been at, I keep saying 12 years, but I feel like it's 13. It keeps, I keep getting older every year and I forget how long it's been, but I feel like I didn't know that. I didn't not know that or treat my employees the way they shouldn't be treated, but I didn't know how important it was until I went through years of realizing the mistakes that I made. Yeah, it's definitely important. And I luckily had a fantastic example of this growing up. My grandparents really did start Jayco as a way to not only get the customers, the families out camping together, but also a way to give the local community a great place to work. And they truly did value their employees. And they really, they talked a lot about how everybody at Jayco is family and treating them as though I would want to be treated. And that was a huge focus at Jayco as well. So I had a great foundation growing up, but it plays a huge part. Who wants to go to work and just feel like they're just a number or just a tool in the toolbox? We have to go to work. It's something that most of us need to do to pay the bills and to do other things. Let's give them a place that they enjoy coming to, that they enjoy the coworkers at the worth, and that they can leave feeling fulfilled at the end of the day to go home to their families happy. All right. So you've got a great team there. They're passionate. They care about each other. They're working together. So what have you created that's really super proud of, right? Talk about your RV models and things like that. Yeah. So like I said, we started off with our Overland series and that one really was aimed at going off grid and off road. So we partnered with Kurt and we came up, we, they built us a independent suspension so that the RV really can go anywhere the tow vehicle can go. We then paired that with larger tank sizes and solar packages so that when they are going off road, they're able to stay off grid as well when they want to do that. Everything in that, the structure of that unit is also fully composite walls, roof, and floor. So you don't have your normal mold, mold mildew that you would find in a traditional build in an RV. And then, like I said, our touring edition is more my style of camping, even though I know that the Overland is a fantastic product. So I was really excited about the touring edition because it is more of a over the road. Like I said, we've said our Overland is our hiking boots and then our touring is our running shoes. The touring is made to go into the campgrounds to see the sites and trip camp more traditionally. But I personally, and I know a lot of our RV customers today, they want value in the products that they're buying. And so we've tried to pack as much value into our products as possible. We're never going to be the cheapest product on the market, but we truly hope that our customers can see the value that we've built in by 
not only choosing higher quality materials to build with, but by the feature sets that we are building in as well. We're giving them those things that they want and they need when they're out camping and not either making them add them after the fact or just skipping them all together. Awesome. So the overland is for me when I was younger and didn't have a bad back. Exactly. Okay. So there's an evolution for everybody as we continue our journey. All right. So Shane, Eleanor, yeah. do you have any intelligent questions? Because I don't know enough about sure. RVing. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to ask Ashley. You know, you've obviously been part of a bigger company. I've been a part of a startup in the past, and it's an exciting time because every little things you are, everybody congratulates everybody, and it really develops a team attitude. And you must see the difference starting things up and to be able to be really creative in a lot of things. Exactly. We started with a blank slate. So we could, in some ways, write our own rules. And like you said, everybody's congratulating everything. And startup, while it is extremely exciting, there's a lot of tough that comes with it, a lot of mountains to climb. So I always encourage the team as well as remind myself, we always have to celebrate even the small wins, because if we aren't even doing that, then why are we doing this? But you're right, we could write our own script, essentially, and it's a lot of work to build something from scratch, but when you're doing it with people that you appreciate and that you enjoy being around, it, it makes work fun. Eleanor, do you have anything for us? You're the wisest one in the room, I feel like. I'm not sure about that, but no, I, I agree with Ashley's comments and it's great to hear, especially about with a startup and how successful you've been. And I know the units are coming into Canada now as well, and I think it's a great model. And so congratulations to you. Let's, let's hear from Sasha then. Sasha, tell us, Senior VP of Outdoor Recreation. Who's the yeah. Senior VP of Outdoor Recreation do at Tyler Technologies? Sounds yeah. important. Sure it is. You got to tell us. Not sure about that, but yeah, I'd love to tell you a little bit. I actually love what Ashley just had to say. I think a lot of what her team seems to be experiencing is transcending into the campgrounds and the state parks that we're dealing with. We... Tyler Technologies, we are the largest provider of technology solutions to the public sector in North America. So we have about 40,000 implementations across 16,000 customers. But on the outdoor recreation side, we work exclusively with state and territorial agencies around the state parks and territorial parks across the globe. And that's been really interesting. I think the last several years have been just an interesting time for us overall, right, in the outdoor recreation world. COVID has done some fun funky things, I think, for our demographics that we're seeing show up into our state parts. And when Ashley mentioned hiking boots versus running shoes, I love that analogy. I think that's what we're seeing, right? So we're having a whole new set of folks coming into the parks that traditionally haven't really participated in outdoor recreation anyway. And I think many of them show up and they're Maybe they're first time campers, they're maybe first time hikers, they're first time RVers. And what it requires our agencies to do is to provide a lot more information upfront before they show up at the park to really, and just a lot more visual aids, right? Whether that is more pictures of the specific campsites or whether that is video media that allows folks to really see a 360 degree view of where they will be parking their RV because many of them just show up, I would say, rather unprepared, right, the first time around. And I think that it's been really interesting for us. I think Shane made that comment earlier around that it used to be that this was big opening weekend, right, for you guys last weekend, for us this weekend. More and more, it's every weekend feels like opening weekend, right? The parks are full. Lots of folks are pushing into the parks that have traditionally not participated. And I think that we've seen it really stretch the agencies that we work with in regards to finding that right balance between allowing the largest possible number of people to participate in outdoor recreation while also being good stewards of the incredible resources they have been entrusted with, striking that, that conservationist balance there as well. And so it's been, it's just been a really interesting few years here for us. And we, we love working with our agencies. So Nevada is one that just recently came on board with us. And we are actually the first ones implementing a digital online booking system for them. They were in the pen and paper kind of world before us. And so it's been really interesting because 
for most of the agencies that we work with, which are second generation or first generation of digital solutions, with Nevada, they've really sort of the opportunity to come in and use the blank canvas, right? And really say, hey, what would we do if we do this for the first time, which we are, right? So how, what are some of the, the creative elements that we can bring into this? What are some things that we can incorporate into our system? And that's been a really fun journey. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. So where do you, do you just work with public and state parks and national parks or do you work with private campgrounds too? Or? We actually only work with public agencies today. We have dabbled in private campgrounds as well. It's not where our main experience is, but it's something we would love to incorporate into our overall portfolio. I think speaks a little bit to what Ashley mentioned earlier. It's like folks are really looking for that specific experience, right? And they're only secondarily concerned with who is providing that experience to them. And so I think it's going to become more and more important, whether you are a public agency or you're a private campground operator, to be able to pull up a system and see what does inventory look like around uh, across my region? Because maybe my campground is full, but maybe there is availability 20 miles down the road. Right. So that person that just showed up and wants to camp and you don't have availability now still has an opportunity to participate in that outdoor recreation experience. And do so that's something like, you're working on. Do you, and so that's what I was going to ask, but do you feel like that's a solution for a back office system that is limited to owners and operators accessing it and it's an opt-in type thing? Or do you think that's a, cause there are a lot of companies that are trying to solve that problem, right? Of not necessarily owners and operators checking to see what else is available if they're full, but the, I want to present like a kayak or an Expedia or things like that. And I want to have all the inventory for all the parks. And so you've know, got camp spots, marketplace, book outdoors is doing it. A few other people, right? Sure. So do you feel like that's ultimately a solution that could be folded into one of those public facing things where the owner could just check, or do you think there's more benefit to a re feature enhanced service that's optimized for owners and operators? The way we've been approaching it is, is ultimately it's data that lives out in a variety of different systems, right? And it's really, uh, we don't look at our position or our role in that in playing the data comp in this, right? It's more, how do we bring the individual parties together and then make sure that they have a good data sharing agreement in place so that we can use, whether that's an aggregator, like a kayak or somebody like that, or a system that we might be standing up or that one of our competitors might be standing up to pump that data into. So again, at the end of the day, it's about the visitor experience, right? It's not really about what do I want to do? It's not my data to start out with. It's the visitor's data or the state parks agencies or the campground operators data at the end of the day. And so we really look at our role more as facilitators of a great experience and less as the ones that say, Hey, this data needs to come from here and needs to go from, needs to go over here, right? So you talk about facilitating a great experience, right? And I heard you mention in your introduction that, you know, we want, we need to provide the 360 tours. We need to make sure that the experience is more seamless for first time people. And we've talked about this on the show before, Shane and Eleanor, you know this, right? How do we, in your opinion, get RV dealers, get the whole ecosystem to work together, right? Not just RV dealers, but the whole ecosystem to work together to make sure the guest experience is as perfect as it can be for that first time out. So I guess I have a couple answers to that. That's, that's we will. From, right? from a technologist point of view, right? So I think there's oftentimes the idea that technology somehow solves all problems. And I personally believe that technology either functions as an enabler or as a blocker to great solutions. But ultimately for us as somebody that provides a, a reservation and campground management application out there or state parks agencies, it's really, I think it's our responsibility to make sure that we build it in such a way that it is as extensible as possible. Meaning that people can interact with our application if they so choose. And we shouldn't put limitations on there as to whether that's a private entity or whether that's an RV manufacturer or whether that is a outfitter or whoever it might be, that they can use our system get certain pieces of information out of it that they, that's relevant to their business. And in turn, that we can ingest some of that data in order to enhance the visitor experience. Ultimately, I don't think anybody wants to go and plan a trip 
and have to go to 14 different websites to do all the things that they want to do. Reserve my kayaks here and buy my firewood over here and figure out my hookups for my RV over here and all of these different pieces, right? They want to go one place. They want to get all the information that's relevant. They want to swipe their card once. They want to get an ideally an itinerary, right? Email to them that has all the information on there. And then they want to just show up and have a great time. And that's really what we are to do. And our solution is to build that platform that very easily transacts between different systems. Okay. Before I, like, I have a question related to that, but it's, it's I want to ask Eleanor or Shane, do you have any probably smarter questions than I do? But I think that's a very interesting topic of convenience and where things are headed. But Eleanor and Shane, do you have any art specific questions about tire technology? No, I, I agree with him. It's that is one of the issues that we hear from consumers is that I, where do I book a campsite? If it's full, I have to go to the federal site, then the private site. And there's, there are many different areas. And if I'm renting, do I have an itinerary? And there are so many different pieces that I think uh, the first time our viewers do get and campers in general can get overwhelmed. So if there was a one-stop shop, I think for the customer experience, it would really, it would get more people out there. So here's, and here's the thing, right? And Shane, do you have anything before I? No, keep going. And I'll maybe ask something after you, Brian. All right. So here's my thing, right? There's been people building this for a number of years or attempting to build this, right? I want to be the destination where everybody goes. And to be fair, I don't know as much about you, Tyler Technologies, as I do from the campground side of the people who showed up as vendors, right? The camp spots and the RMSs and the new books and the what got, right? I just, I'm in that space more every single day sure. than the public side, just because we, we do marketing for them, right? That's my experience. And, I, and I, so if I say something wrong about Tyler Technologies, then please correct me, Sasha. I don't intend to, okay? All good. But those types of companies, Tyler Technologies, et cetera, et cetera, have been trying to build these platforms for a long time. And they, in most cases, are great ideas. They work well. They're well thought out. They're well researched. They're well planned. But ultimately, in the end, you're never going to get 100% of the people to your site versus someone else's site, probably, unless you are Google. So now this is where this changes the conversation, right? Now, and I don't know how closely you guys have followed this. We've talked about this on the show before, but Google announced two weeks ago, they're going to bring AI chat to their search engine. They're going to replace the entire top of the search engine. So they're going to push all 10 blue links down. It's way more aggressive than what Bing is doing with their chat. And so now it becomes a question of, and there's an ecosystem out there in chat GPT on Bing that Google's going to build where you can plug in. A lot of these third-party vendors, Expedia has one, Kayak has one. I'm sure some of the campground companies, maybe Tyler Technologies is going to build one, right? But where you can actually search and execute commands. So you can say, I want to, I want to plan a trip to, I don't know, Orlando, Florida, right? And I want to stay in a luxury RV resort and I have this type of rig and it'll literally give you an answer of two campgrounds, three campgrounds initially that fit your criteria, but as it continues to get smarter. The eventual end game here is you're going to be able to book right on Google without a doubt, as long as these, as long as reservation systems like Tyler and CampSpot and BookUp allow that to happen to their ecosystem, right? And then that creates that universal, better consumer experience. So is there, how does a, I'm fascinated to hear from your, like any opinion you have on the rambling that I just did. But number two is how does Tyler technologies or a system like that adapt to thrive in an environment? So I think there are a couple of things. One is those technologies we're constantly playing around with, right? So we have actually a part of our engineering team is working with ChatGPT right now to figure out what are the possibilities and how we can apply that to the system. I would say at the end of the day, and maybe it's partially because we work with public agencies for the most part, right? Is when you think about it, at the end of the day, you're still looking at certain destinations that people want to go to, right? And it's just, it's about the plot of land that you want to go and visit. And when you look at state parks, national parks, territorial parks, I mean, that those are the destinations people want to go and visit. Those are iconic places that are natural resources that are protected for a reason. And so I feel like that is one of the ways that I wouldn't say that state parks agencies are somewhat insulated, but they are to some extent insulated, right? They have ownership of a 
restricted resource in that regard, right? That they are responsible for and that they have ownership of. So I think that's one of the areas. I think the other thing is that when you really start looking at the overall visitor experience, right? At the end of the day, ChatGPT and BARD and all of the other technologies out there, they're only as smart as that information that's actually available online that can be harvested, that can be utilized. Okay. And when you look at the vast majority of reservation systems out there, or even just <clears throat> the websites for many of the parks agencies out there, right? They are very yeah. rudimentary. There's hardly any content related to what is actually available as far as amenities are concerned on certain sites. And so that then limits what that chat GPT travel itinerary can actually look like. But does that in a certain way disadvantage Like, yes, you're right. The land is definitely a big advantage. Locations of state parks in natural surroundings and in forests and near hiking trails that are in some cases closer than private campgrounds are. So that inherently is an advantage. But even still, if you get to the point where convenience, as we've discussed, that you discussed, right, trumps all or a lot of it, at what point then does that become a disadvantage to where maybe some of these new glamping operators that are coming up that are setting up in unique places that can rival in some cases the beauty of state parks where they're showing up because they're doing that? At what point does that flip the switch? I understand what you're saying, but at some point, if it's not even an option for them to see it in a result, how do they know it exists? I think it's not a, it's not the one ring to rule them all. That's not what we're trying to go for. It's really bringing the communities together that exist already naturally and giving them a place where the relevant information that they need to have the experience that they want to have is presented to them in whatever format and through whatever media they want to utilize that. Okay. Yep. And that's why when we're building our system, we're building it in such a way that it becomes accessible to other whether it's other sites, whether that's AI engines, whether it's machine learning operators, different tools that can be utilized to use and access our information that we make available. So now wherever they're looking, yeah, that's the best strategy. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you want to park, if you want to camp in a state park, you will ultimately make your reservation through that state park agency, right? Whether you come into that state park agency through a search you execute on Google or whether you do that by calling a 1-800 number doesn't really matter, right? It's that part is taken care of. And it's really about how do we give people more avenues, more channels of entry to have that experience that they're looking for and making it easier. Right? Use the information that they need to make an Correct. educated decision, which is not your problem, but it's that I'm not saying it is, but it's not, maybe not our problem, but we feel it our responsibility, right? It's part of our opportunity that we have, for example, to help these state, these agencies to direct people away from the in, most Instagram spot in the universe to the maybe lesser known parks that are out there that are equally beautiful and create an equally amazing experience. That you need an over them by you, right? not millions of people, but maybe just ten thousands of No, I'm sorry, we were just on a billing. I was just inserting. But yeah, I understand. And I'm not trying to be clear, I'm not trying to put you I am in some way, and I apologize putting you on the spot, but I'm not trying to say this is a Tyler Technologies problem. I'm just pontificating about generally. Because this is no, I think it's, it's a relevant it's industry problem for us to solve, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, the consumer will force our hand in many ways. How do you guys see this impacting the RV, like the RV buying process, Eleanor and Jane, as these things are adopted in Jane? Does it at all? Or? Yeah, it does. And I think we're starting to see it. A campground availability. All these new buyers, if they don't get the right experience, they're going to pack it in. And I think that RV breakfast, that I don't know if you're there, Ashley, they, Toby O'Rourke uh, talked about this extensively. It's going to impact things for sure. And, and I, I'm on a lot of Facebook groups. I'm no longer involved in the Campground Association as of next week, but I just wanted it's to know. It's supposed to be a secret. I got yelled at last week. Oh, I think we're not live in front of it. So anyway, I, you know, I joined all these Facebook groups and wanted to hear what they're saying and their complaints and everything. And I listen to Sasha and everybody right now does their own search campgrounds. They contact them individually or they ask a friend or whatever. This could be a stupid question, but is it, is the time going to come where campgrounds somehow let the campers know that they have availability? Because it's not done that right now. 
Yeah. Explain a little bit. I, like, I think I understand you, but explain a little what, bit more. So right now it's one directional. It seems to me mostly where the camper does their searches at a state park or a private campground and they, they search availability and it's the onus is on the camper to get that availability. Which we you talked know. about was, is a hassle. So change that direction on the opposite way and, and somehow get the campground owners to express that they have availability to the camper. And I don't know how that, that can be done, but there needs to be more dial, not dialogue, but more but communication just, to the, from the campground owner and state park to the camper saying, Hey, we're here. We got availability. And is that marketing or are you talking about making it like, like through a kayak or an Expedia or a AI search or what is it feeding the availability to a system that can present it to them? Or are you talking about something else? No, I think that's. The exact thing that I'm trying to say, Brian. Okay. So I have thoughts on that, but first, yeah, my, my real question was just because we're talking about RVs and that's very, it ties into the same thing. And I'm interested to hear Ashley, your thoughts too, if you have any, if you want to share, but how does this impact the actual, or does it of the purchase of RVs? So for, flipping on its head, right? If we have AI search or conversational search, right? And they're researching RVs in Google search. How does that impact whether they choose Ember or Jayco or Forest River or Airstream or whatever, right? And they don't have a list of 10 blue links to peruse through with a bunch of photos and all those kinds of things. Does it? Does that change how dealers? I don't know if it really changes. It. People are already doing that, right? They're already searching for, they're going to determine what kind of, what is my RV persona? Let's say, what am I going to use it? I think they're already doing that so that when they come into a dealership, They've already got a pretty good idea of what type of unit that they're looking for. And Hoko RV in Canada, our marketing mm -hmm. has that right on their, right on their web. And I don't know if it's really changing the purchase component. I do think the experience of the campground experience is definitely an issue within the industry. And I know here I'm in British Columbia and I can search really well for the BC parks. And if I want to go to this park and it doesn't have availability, it will tell me, oh, in this area, where, which sites are available. But if I'm trying to go to a private campground, there's nothing like that, that has that availability. So I think we, we have some great opportunities as an industry to, to facilitate some of those, some of that technology so that the consumer does have a better experience. And we saw a lot of people buy RVs during the pandemic and some of them didn't necessarily, some of the consumers didn't necessarily have the experience that they thought they were going to have. And we're seeing that have some repercussions this year, 2023, maybe next year as well. I think that I agree with you, Eleanor, that customers are already doing their search that way when it comes to buying an RV. So I don't know that I have any great thoughts at this moment about how it will impact whether they buy Ember or a different brand, but I do think it could improve, particularly for somebody who's never owned an RV before, narrowing down the type of RV and even the floor plan that will fit their needs best. What can I tow? How many people am I going to take with me regularly? What amenities do I want to see in the unit? Those sorts of things, I think it would actually benefit those searches. I think there's different manufacturers right now that have something like a buyer's guide or like a build and price type function on their website already. But I think to your point, everybody pretty much goes to Google to start their search if they're brand new to the search. And I do think there's possibly some positivity that could come from a more AI type search function where they could search. But at the end of the day, like Eleanor was saying, we still have to deliver on that good experience. And if it's not happening in the real yeah. life, AI is only so good. So maybe it changes the research phase. Maybe it changes the level of education people have when they walk into a dealer. Maybe they know even more specifically what they want. And we've been seeing that for several years, just with the growth of the internet, right? It's happened naturally. I think definitely the last several years have expedited that process. We hear, especially from our dealers right now, time and time again, like your customers come in and they want Ember and they know more about Ember than almost I do. And we said, that's awesome. Just get out of their way and give them what they want. And so I do think that the customer is getting more and more comfortable with using internet and researching in that way before they ever set foot into a store. Yeah. All right. And I think the experience part happens 
before they start looking at model or brand or whatever. It's what do they hear from their, about the whole general camping RVing concept? Do they want to get into it? And then if the answer is yes, then they'll start to look at more, more pointed answers. I think whether what brand, what, what model and things like that. But is yeah, that, go ahead finish. I'm sorry. We just delay. No, that's okay. I was just to make the point. I think the industry needs to really, I think, improve on that, on the, on the whole overall experience, however that can be done. So I've got some interesting thoughts on the specificity of that, but before I do, we had some technical difficulties in the beginning of the show, so I couldn't play our video for our sponsor. So we do know what campground or campers want besides this, and that's good Wi-Fi, right? So our sponsor is Access Parks. We'll take 30 seconds to play a video from that. We'll be right back. Want to increase your revenues by up to 20%? Guests stay an average of two days longer when they stay connected. We are the only provider to guarantee the 25 megabits per second speeds that your guests demand at no upfront costs. And you'll be up and running in just six to eight weeks. With our fiber optic network serving 30 million annual visitors, you'll experience zero risk to deliver guaranteed speeds to your guests, even during peak hours. It's Wi-Fi that just works. Guaranteed broadband is here. So super excited to have Access Parks as our sponsor for the fourth week episode. Just really great company to work with. Obviously, they work with a lot of national big parks too, KOA, places like that. And they have a big key presence. So super excited to have them as a sponsor of our show and really appreciate their support. So let me talk about what, and, and this, I don't know, this is just my idea, my opinion, right? I'm not saying this is going to work out this way or whatever, but I think that in, in both cases of what we're talking about from a consumer experience, from a campground standpoint, from a consumer experience, from an RV purchasing standpoint, but also from a manufacturer standpoint, maybe a little bit less of a dealer standpoint, but from a campground standpoint, I think that the specificity that AI search chat, whatever is able to allow people to drill down into that granular. This is exactly what I want is going to not only improve the customer service, but it's going to improve how companies do advertising, right? And so let me tackle this from two sides of it, right? First, the consumer standpoint is this is going to get more information into it besides what ChatGPT has now, whether that's Google systems or whatever, whether that pulls data from the plugins that it's tying in, whether you're logged into your Google account and it knows all the information that's collected from you, privacy laws and all those kinds of things, right? Nobody knows how this stuff is going to work, but I believe that the more data that's being collected by AI and companies about you, in some cases, if done in a good way, will help you shortcut that search process. So we've all been trained, for example, that I want to go camping in Orlando, Florida, or I want an RV that sleeps four people, two adults and two kids. And that's really all they type in Google search. And then that creates a long, extensive process of there's a lot of RVs that sleep two adults and two kids, right? But 90% of them probably aren't what you want, but they don't know the question to ask because for the last 24 years, we've been trained to type in chunks of individual words to get what we want into Google, right? And the best way to talk to AI is to talk in complete sentences, because then it's much more specific. The more specific you are, the grander result you get. So as we continue to learn to evolve, I think we get better answers, but I think as Google and AI continues to scrape more data sources, then I think that kind of it know, and I'm not saying, I don't know how privacy laws are going to get, but let's just pretend for a second that it knows you have two kids already and it knows what their ages are and it knows. You know, you have a family and you live in Orlando, Florida. And so if you're looking for an RV, then it just spits back a much better answer the first time. And it gives you a list of three RVs that actually are much closer to what you want instead of a list of 200 that you then have to sort through. So that's the first thing from a consumer standpoint, from an RV side and a campground side, right? Because the question will eventually become, I want to stay at a campground near Orlando, Florida, that's within five miles of the highway that has a swimming pool for my kids and a playground and allows pets in their cabins. And it's going to give you, that's going to be, everybody's search query is going to be different and it's going to give you the answer and then eventually let you book. But I think the flip side of here from an RV manufacturer standpoint, from a dealer standpoint, from a campground standpoint through advertising is that you have a lot less wasted money. And what I mean by that is if you're running, let's just use pay-per-click ads as an example on Google and we'll use something just to blend everything together, we'll just skip out of the campground industry and use Delta Airlines as an example, right? Because everybody can understand that. If Delta Airlines is spending billions of dollars every year on pay-per-click, right now they're targeting things like, I want to fly from Dallas to Los Angeles, just pick a route, right? And then your Delta Airlines ad shows up at the top, but maybe they've got that route filled in or whatever. 
but probably 70% of the people who click on that ad never end up booking through Delta because either the plane doesn't leave on time or the route is sold out or they want an exit row seat or first class and that's not available on that specific plane at that specific time. And so that's a lot of wasted spend that Delta Airlines makes or campgrounds would make or RV manufacturers would make. But if, as Shane said, there's ways for you to see both your inventory from a dealer standpoint, your specific manual information, like Ashley was saying, into these systems, your campground specific amenities and all those kinds of things. Then all of a sudden it becomes a, I want to bid as an advertiser, but I'm only going to bid on the things that I know I have a model in stock for because this person wants to buy next week or right now or next month. Or I'm only going to, I'm only going to bid on this because I know I have a full hookup pull through available for this guy who has 40 foot ring and two slide outs or whatever else. And so I think then that becomes a lot less wasted spend from an advertising standpoint too. And so it gives both sides a better experience. I think I'd like I could talk, but I think I need to shut up now. So I, I would add to that. I would say not just from an advertising perspective, I think also from an operational perspective on the ground, right? So it's like you're a campground operator and you have a much better understanding because the search is no longer to Shane's point, one directional, right? becomes yep. a bi-directional exchange of information on an ongoing basis. Now you can also plan totally differently for who's actually going to show up and what do you need to have in place and how much staffing do you need to have in place? And I think the interesting thing with the sort of next evolution that we're seeing right now with regenerative AI is that a lot of the underlying systems that we have built over the last decades, they're not really built to really feed the monster. Right. They are built to be accessed through their own siloed UI, through their own siloed sort of access controls. And that's something we've been looking at pretty significantly is figuring out how do we enable our system to work better with those new technologies that are coming up. Things like, for example, if you could have a virtual reality, augmented reality overlay of a campsite where you can actually place your exact model of trailer into that campsite and you can see exactly whether that's going to fit or not. That's a totally different experience than you showing up and finding out that there's a tree in that spot where you have your bumbard coming up. Those are the sort of things where I think the underlying systems have to become smarter in order to make for a better experience. And I think they are. That's the, and this is, it frustrates me a little bit because I'm a geek and I'm really sometimes ridiculous, but it frustrates me a little bit because the systems are there and you probably know that Sasha, right? This AI is not coming, it's here. And how do, but then how do we work with some of these small business owners and we're in the RV industry, so we're not picking on RV dealers or RV manufacturers or campground owners. It's all small business owners, right? And to a large, a lot of extent, a lot of larger corporations too. How do we convince them that the future is here and how do we then push them in a direction that will benefit them faster than they're moving themselves? Because this isn't going to wait around like everything else has. I think at the end of the day, data will be what you will need to use in order to do the convincing, right? At the end of the day, if you can show that you can increase occupancy rates by X percent, if you can increase client satisfaction or owner satisfaction by X percent, I mean, that, that will do the talking for you. But that in turn means that you need to have the systems in place to actually capture that data and then serve it up in a meaningful, digestible fashion. Yay. Shane, Eleanor, Ash, any thoughts? Or anything else, you can change the topic if you want. No. Yeah, I'm curious, Sasha, how you guys are, were mostly involved in another area and then you got into campgrounds in the last two or three years? Is it, did I catch that right? No, so we've been in, we've been in campgrounds for about 20 years now. Okay. We are also in outdoor recreational licensing. So whether that's hunt and fish permits and licenses or off highway vehicles, old registrations, those sort of things as well. But no, we've been in the space for a long time. Okay. Nobody, you're going to all make me come up with something to ask people now? I don't ever ask smart questions that I end up talking about AI. Oh. I know. <laughs> Always got smart questions, Brian. Give me one, Shane. Let's go. <laughs> Where's, what's CRV is like, how does CRVA 
evolve as an association to try to help people navigate these changing waters. I talk about it a lot. We're very lucky up here in Canada uh, with the four national associations, Eleanor and I and Gorby and the Canadian Camping and RV Council. We probably meet at, at least 10 times a year as a group and uh, do exchange information on what's going on. So we're real fortunate to or to be able to keep everybody up to date on each other's challenges and address any industry opportunities. I, I love learning. That's why it's great to be part of this and to hear what from Ashley and Sasha, what their thoughts are and everything. But I don't know how you feel, Eleanor. <clears throat> I think we've got a good group. We've got a good group across the border too, though. We, we speak, we work very closely with RVDA, with Phil, who's not here today, but in the U.S. And I know Shane with RV industry association as well, because I think it's important. We need to know what the manufacturers are doing. We've got to actually, we'll be in Washington in June for a Canadian coalition committee, which is a great opportunity to talk about what are the dealer issues in Canada or what are the regulatory issues of Transport Canada that we're having. And just to keep that, that dialogue moving forward and that continued communication is great. And hearing from me, because I don't know as much about the campground industry or the particularly the private campground industry and their issues. I'm very interested to, to hear about what happens and what the issues are and what the technology is providing them. So on a least monthly basis in these coal. Yeah, these are nice. I would love, and just privately, like Eleanor and Shane, I've obviously asked too, but if I can be of assistance, like brainstorming, talking, things like that, I'd love to have more calls about this because I, it's hard for me on this show to balance, right? I believe what I believe. That doesn't mean I'm right, but I believe what I believe. I've researched a ton about AI. I think I know where it's going. I feel this urgency to prepare people, but also I know that there's tons of people out there who aren't even anywhere close to the knowledge I have and who are sick and tired of seeing it probably come out of my mouth. Right. And so I don't know how to balance that. Right. The urgency and the feel that I have that I really want to help these people, but some of them don't understand how important it is yet. So. There is a place, it's probably a better place for that offline. Yeah, but you know what? The whole world and not only our industry in the last three years have been turned upside down. We are, we, for example, we're in Ottawa during our lobby days and one street was full of small businesses that catered to civil and public servants. Now they're working from home. So they're now no longer in downtown Ottawa. And so all these places are closed for, there was what it would, I don't know, 140,000 people that of this union that were on strike. And one of their main sticking points was working from home. That has really turned a lot of things upside down. And I, honestly, I think AI is doing the same. It's coming so fast and it's going to have so many implications on all kinds of businesses and. Who knows where this is going to go? And that's why it's great to have Brian there to give us his thoughts because I didn't even, I wasn't really even aware of it until one of the things that we were fooling around during an episode and, and did some searches. Anyway, we're, who knows this, where this is going to go, but to be on top of things, I think is probably more important now than it's ever been. All right. So I, let's circle. Go ahead, please. Yeah. So just one comment on this. I think one of the things that's become very clear to us and we're having a lot of very similar conversations across a lot of different groups over the last 12 months is that one of the things that technology and some of the advances that we're seeing are really doing is they're breaking down the silos. They're forcing us to break down silos, right? Where before it was very fine for somebody to be a, a private campground operator and us to work with state park agencies and somebody else to be a RV dealer or RV manufacturer, or somebody be a, con a concessionaires in the state park or a private park, AI is breaking those barriers down. AI doesn't care what your silo is and where you are comfortable. It's just, it presents all of the information to everybody. And that can be scary, but at the same time, also, I think provides a huge opportunity for us to really start looking across our own little patch, right? And really trying to figure out how do we work more effectively together? How do we lay the underlying plumbing, so to speak, that allows for greater experiences, right? So if I can work with the concessionaires in the park, but I can also work with the main 
RV manufacturers to really figure out how do I advise the state parks agencies when they're thinking about expanding their RV campsites to really look at data and say, what are the main models that are being built? So what do we need to look at when we're actually building out our infrastructure? That, those are the sort of things that are not happening today. And I think that's the opportunity we have as a, as a sort of industry overall to just get a little bit closer to each other and maybe start working with folks that traditionally we haven't worked. Yeah, I think that's an admirable goal, regardless of AI or not, regardless of where that goes. But all right, let me ask that. Let me just come full circle here because I, I love, I'm obsessed with how my teams work together too, Ashley. And so we'll go back to what you talked about in the beginning. And I'm just curious, do you feel like having a good culture, a good environment where all the team is as happy as they can be to be at work? Because we know it's still work, right? Uh, but as happy as you can make them at work, do you feel like that environment, that culture is easier for you to transition and adopt and change as both technology and everything else changes around you? I think so. I'm a millennial, so I grew up on the cusp of technology changes and stuff. So I'm really big on trying to stay current, but you have, when you have people bought into what you're doing, they trust the path forward. And so as we continue to see technology changes and advances so far, the team's been willing and excited about seeing what we can do with it. At some point we should have a show on 3D printing in RVs, whether that's actually going to be a thing. It has to eventually, but I'm curious how quick it's going But okay. Anybody have any final thoughts or anything like that? I'm, I really didn't mean to talk about AI that long, but like it flowed into the conversation. So I don't know. I yeah. feel like it was valuable. No, that was a good, good little yeah. detour. It's the topic of the day, I think, Brian. Yeah, but we just have to be mindful of the other things that are still out there that we would definitely want to highlight. I'll talk to you. And so that's why I count on you guys. Steer me straight and shut me up sometimes, but maybe. But okay, if nobody else has anything else, thank you guys. I really appreciate you showing up for another episode of MC Fireside Chats, our RV industry outdoor recreation episode. Thank you again to our sponsor, Access Parks, for being sponsor of the show. We really appreciate them. Looking for Wi-Fi or campground, or I don't know if they do RV dealerships. Maybe they should. But maybe RV dealerships, maybe RV manufacturers who need to keep their team culture communicating from one end of the... But thank you guys for joining us, and we will see you next week on another episode of MC Fireside Chat. Sasha, Ashley, really appreciate your insight, Shane. Eleanor, as always, I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.